Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Oh man, I love y'all. All right, let's make our confession. This word's going to change our life. Amen? Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind's alert. My heart's receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, ever-living seed, the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to do this. I know today's family day. If you're here and you got your listening ears on and you would normally be in children's church, can you lift your hand? Yeah. You are my honored guest today. I'm so thankful that you're here. Just want to let you know that. All right, let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Todd's thinking, is that just biological age or is that in the age of the mind? Because I would... Philippians chapter 2. Somebody say others. I'll say it one more time. Say others. Philippians chapter 2. I want you to think about others today. When you came in today, our hosting team that we're so thankful for, they should have given you, and they, I'm sure they did if they saw you, but if by way you maybe slipped in or didn't, they didn't, you didn't catch their eye, they should have given you one of these pray, invite, bring cards. If at this time you do not have one, you need one. So if you don't have one, Mr. Greg, he's looking out to see if you need one. Raise your hand if you don't have one, and he'll come get you one. So we've got a couple here. He's going to grab some, and he will, once he starts making his way down the aisle, you will lift your hand back up, and he'll bring them to you. We're going to work, in, we're going to work through that pray, invite, bring card today. And what I'm using today as the main reasoning, the main point of faith that I want you to see is found in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to start reading at verse 1. There's Mr. Greg right now. Slip your hand back up if you need one of those cards. He's going to bring them to you. Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Keep him, keep him up until he gets there. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation, encouragement, in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. All right, pause for one second. Verse 1 and verse 2, we see here that in Christ there's some things that we find. Who's encouraged by being saved? Whoever feels the encouraging work of the Holy Spirit because of your salvation in Jesus? How many are comforted by the love of God today? How many are thankful for the love of God? There's fellowship in the Holy Spirit. We've been having a lot of that this morning so far. Some of y'all fellowship so well that pastor can't even talk over you when you're fellowshipping. They have to... You're in the back there fellowship, and you're like, I'm just loving on people. I didn't even know pastor's about to do the, the anointed announcements. But we had fellowship. There's affection and mercy. 
And then the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Ghost, the Word of God's inspired, so it's God's Word, but it's being penned through His hand, says, fulfill my joy. There's something very joyful to be had in the Lord. There is a great, great joy in God. How do you access this joy? The key to accessing a supernatural joy that can only be found in Jesus is by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one accord, unity, and of one mind. Now, we're going to see whose mind, whose like-mindedness we must have and the love that we must have. But let's keep reading. Verse 3. Let nothing, someone say nothing, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. Someone say others. The New Living Translation reads verse 3 and 4 like this. Don't be selfish. Somebody say amen. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. I tell you what, acting on that command of Scripture would eliminate a whole lot of problems that's in the church and in the earth today. The pro- many, 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 many problems that we see in the earth is because there's 8 billion some odd people and most of them are thinking about themselves only. Why would you lie to someone unless you're being selfish and thinking only of your own self? Why would you hurt, murder, rob someone unless you're only thinking about your own self? Why would you speak words of anger and strife? Why would you tear someone down unless you're only being selfish thinking of your own self? There's a place in Christ that is only accessed. There's a joy to be had that you only get when you begin to think about others. Verse 5, we see here, Philippians 2 verse 5 says this, Let this mind... This attitude be in you, which was also in, someone say the name, Christ Jesus. Anyone want to be like Jesus? That's our heart's desire, isn't it? So let's look at this mind, this attitude that Jesus had. Verse 6, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In other words, he didn't see this as a wrong thing. He was God. He is God. The Word was God and was with God, and the Word is God. Verse 7, but made himself, even though he is God, he emptied himself. He made himself. That Greek word kenosis is a doctrinal idea, but plainly, simply for us to understand, it simply means like a cup full of water, and you pour out the cup. Anyone, you know, maybe in your house, you, uh, Laura knows the pain of this. In our house cups multiply but it's not by miracle power it's because of this guy right here gets a new cup every time he needs to drink something and you know i got a cup here i got a cup there i got a cup there and here's the thing i know where all the cups are and so when my living room cups moved and my kitchen cups moved and this cups moved i say where's my cup she said which which one of the 47 cups you talking about now if by chance i didn't finish drinking that cup you know 
what do you normally do? You take that cup and you dump it out in the sink, right? You pour it out. Christ poured himself out. And if you keep reading, we being like Christ, we pour ourselves out into the lives of others by being servants. That's what's taking place here in verse 7. But he made himself of no reputation. The king of glory, he who has brought all things into creation, Hebrews 11 tells us that the worlds, the ages are framed by the word of God. Him made himself of no reputation. The person who had the greatest and has the greatest reputation of all existence let go of his reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. I want to encourage you today to think about others more than you think about yourself. Constantly, continually, not just on Sunday, not just right now. I want you to live a life where you consider others all the time. I wrote this, and I think it reads pretty well. Let me read it to you. Jesus thought about others. If we want to be like Jesus, truly be like our Lord and Savior, we must think about others. We must love others. We must give our lives to win others to Christ. We must spend our time, money, and energy to build a church for others. Because the Father loved others, He sent His Son so that others could be saved and made sons. Thank God He loved others because you and I were another when God looked on the earth. Jesus thought about others. This is the mindset. This is what you see in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. This is that mindset of thinking in others. This is what you see in Philippians 2, verse 2, where the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is saying, you, if you want to have access to this great, marvelous, supernatural joy, you need to be like-minded with Christ. You need to have this attitude of Jesus. And the attitude of Jesus is obedience to the Father above every other alliance, allegiance, or servitude to anybody. First and foremost, I'll obey my God and my Savior, my Lord in heaven. And in doing so, I will pour myself out for others. I will give myself in a service and a life to others. In fact, I want you to see how, Jesus, how important this was to Jesus. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Verse 42. Luke 4 verse 42. Luke 4 verse 42. Jesus had just finished the preaching and teaching and healing crusade. And then he decided he was going to go to Galilee. And where he currently is teaching and preaching, the people didn't want him to leave. And in verse 42, it says, Now when it was day, when it was early, he departed and went to a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. Notice verse 43. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities. Someone say other cities. Also, because of this purpose, I've been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Jesus didn't just stay in one city. 
Jesus just didn't preach in his hometown. Jesus said, I have a message that's not just for you as much as I love you. It's for also for others. And I can't just stay in this one city. There's other cities. The gospel message, the experience of salvation that you and I have experienced is not to be retained or kept just in our hearts. It's kind of like water. Lakes, ponds that have no fresh flow of water, they stagnate. Things grow in it. It gets green and yucky. No one wants to swim in it. You can have a whole lot of truth of the Word of God in you, but if it's just there, it's stagnant. Because the Word of God and the principles of God and the knowledge of God is not just for the knowing, it's for the doing. It's not just for head knowledge, it's for way of living and action. That's how any knowledge is. There's no power. Pastor said this several weeks ago when he was working through uh, talking about how the Bible is, is the Word of God to us. He said the power of the Word of God is in the acting on the Word of God. When, you want to experience the power of God? Obey. Just obey. When did Jesus, when was his name exalted? After he was obedient unto death. And so when you receive knowledge of God, it's not just for you. It's for you and others. It's for the person that you live by. It's for the person you work with. It's for your sons and daughters. It's for your mom and dad. It's for your siblings. It's for your friends. It's for the stranger. Because the way Jesus gets things done in his church is through his church. The way God gets things done on the earth is through you and through me. And Jesus understood this reality so much that he couldn't stay in one place. He said, there's other cities I have to go to. You are sitting here today and there's been times where you have witnessed Christ to somebody. Don't stop with that somebody. There's others that need to hear. I want to encourage you in this because some of you are talking to me about this. If you have been sharing and witnessing and loving on someone about Jesus and it's like it's not clicking, don't just focus on that one person. Don't stop focusing on them, but say, you know what? I'm, I've ministered the word. I'm loving them. I want to continue praying for this person. But by faith, I'm going to go to someone else, a other person, and another person, and another person, knowing that the seed that's been sown is going to keep working in this person. Maybe I was just the one to plant. Someone else is going to come water. God will bring the increase. But I'm going to keep on moving my way to other people. Because what will happen is Satan would love to discourage you from telling people about Jesus by saying, why are you going to share the gospel message? Why are you going to tell people about Jesus? Why are you going to share about salvation? The last time you did it, it didn't work for that person to, to which you could see, you know, with our fleshly eyes, our natural eyes. And Satan, here's the thing. He knows he can't take away, take you out of, take, take away your faith in God. But if he can keep you from sharing your faith with other people, then he has made you what's called in the Old Testament a eunuch. A eunuch in the palace. A eunuch. What's a eunuch? It is someone that looks like a man, but he has no ability to produce. It's a natural castration process that took place so that the men that served in, in the castles and in the royalty families, they could not have their way with any other of the royal women there. They looked like men, but they had nothing that would produce or multiply within them. When you get a hold of the revelation of the Word of God and you don't release it, you're a eunuch in the palace. You look good, you sound good, but you're not producing and I believe you're here because you want to produce for the kingdom. 
If you do, say amen. Because Jesus said there's other cities. Why do we have this digital ministry that we're pushing in hard on? Because there's other people. There's other people that have to hear the gospel. There's other people that are on the wide path marching themselves to eternal damnation. And I just can't watch them go to hell and think I didn't do anything about it. Uh, you know, uh, Charles Spurgeon said that if you're going to go to hell, you have to leap over my body to do it. I'll throw myself before you to do it. There was another man that was a missionary man, and he said some people want to have a church, nice, quiet church out in the valley or on the mountain. He said, I want to have a rescue center right outside the screams of hell to stop people from plunging themselves in internal, internal damnation. That's what the church is. The church is a rescue mission. The church is someone that plucks the brands out of the fire. The church is someone that propagates, that publicizes, that witnesses, that tells people there is a Savior and you too can be saved. Only believe. And that is the miracle message that we've been given. You're in Luke 4. Turn to John 10. John 10, 16. John chapter 10, verse 16. I want you to see how important others are to Jesus. John 10, verse 16 and this great chapter on the great shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus says this, concerning the people of Israel, he calls them his sheep. He said, I've come to you. But here's the thing, Israel, John 10, verse 16. Other sheep I have which were not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice. And there'll be one flock and one shepherd. We looked at that yesterday at Shepherd's Conference. Jesus is looking for other sheep. Jesus is looking for others. Jesus came, Luke 19, verse 10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save those that are lost. Jesus came to the earth just for others. Jesus didn't need salvation. Jesus didn't need healing in his body. Yet he took stripes on his back so that you could be healed because he was thinking of others. Jesus did not need the chastisement of his peace, this peace to be chastised or have a broken relationship with the Father by way of sin. But you and I had a broken relationship with God and he wanted our relationship stored so he came simply for others. He came for others. Now that handout card that I gave you, what I want you to do is I want you to look at this card. Now I'm going to just go ahead and give you some instruction. We have the front part that says pray, invite, bring. Pray, invite, bring. In your heart right now is stirring up by the Holy Spirit. I want to win people to Jesus. Yes, how do I do that? Here's three easy steps to win people to Christ. Pray, invite, bring. Pray, invite, bring. Now, we have three different passages of Scripture that we're going to look at in detail here in the next two or three minutes on the front. If you flip over on the back, reach the lost. That's your mission. That's my mission. Every single Christian is saved. And if you're saved, you're called. 2 Timothy 1, verse 8 and 9. If you're not saved, then you're not called. But if you're saved, you are called. But you're not saved and not called. There is no such thing as a Christian that's saved and is not called. Every Christian is saved and then called. Called to what? To reach the lost. To reach the lost. There is no special... There is an office of evangelism. There is a ministry gift of evangelism. But that is a different ministry gift that's been given to the edification of the believers of the church. Ephesians 4... All gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, are given to strengthen and build up the church. Build up the church for what? So that we're just strong Christians? No, to reach the lost, to multiply, to see people saved. 
That's why we're equipped. That's why God's given us tools. That's why God has empowered us by the work of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You will be endued with power and then you'll be a witness to the earth. You need power from God, not just for you, but for others. Why do you pray for others? Why do you pray with fasting? For power for others? Why do you study your word? So you can have seed to sow to others? Why are you blessed to be a blessing? So that you can be blessed to be a blessing to others? Why do you come to church? So you can get recharged and go bless others? Look at this. Uh, on, on the front of your... Uh, now, let me finish my instruction. Reach the loss on this side. You see five blanks. These five blanks... The reason every adult got one of these, and I would love for your children to engage as well, they have some friends that need to know Jesus. We have five spaces here. For some, you might think, I don't know five, which I would say just go stand around in the grocery store or the Walmart and make five new friends. All right? But I would imagine every single one of us has at least five people within our circle of influence that you think, you know what, they need Jesus. Now, immediately when I said that, Satan's going to say, well, you may offend them if you just go and ask them if they need Jesus. What if they're already saved? To which all of us would laugh. We laughed yesterday talking about that at Shepherd's Conference because no Christian would ever get offended if someone said, "Do you, you need to know Jesus. You would say, you're exactly right. I know him and I need to keep knowing him. Amen. Amen. I do know him. Thank you for asking me. I love you that you love me so much to tell me that I need to know Jesus. But I'm telling you, there's at least five people in your circle of influence, not mine, not pastors, not YouTube channel subscription. There's five people in your life that they need Jesus. And as we're looking at these scriptures, the Holy Spirit, this isn't just a marketing idea. This isn't something I just thought would be fun. This is direction of the Holy Spirit, this and this message today, because you have five people that they need Jesus, and if they don't get a hold of salvation, they will burn in hell for eternity. Rightly so. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what are you going to do? You're going to put their names on these slots. As we're today, as the Lord gives you in a, a burden in your heart. Romans 9 verse 1 and Romans 10, Paul talks about how he was so burdened for the nation of Israel, his brethren. He literally says this. He said, I myself, if it were possible... I would be accursed from Christ if I knew it meant my whole nation could be saved. Literally what he's saying is, I would go to hell for all of Israel if I knew it would mean they would all be saved. That's how much Paul loved others because that's how much he got a hold of this love of Christ and he was so in like-mindedness with Jesus. He said, I would do anything I could possibly do to see my nation saved. All I'm asking is for five people. And so as we're looking today, you're going to write the names of these real, precious people. They breathe air like you. They have loving families like you and I do. They have hopes and dreams and aspirations like you and I do. They have plans for vacation in the summer, and they love going and doing Christmas stuff just like you and me. But they also have a real eternity, and there's a real hell, and there's a real heaven, and there's a real Savior, and they need to encounter Jesus. Because what we're going to do here in just a minute or two, we're going to take the names that are written on this, and we're going to come pray over these names. And we're going to ask God for opportunities to sow the word of God into these precious people's lives. People so precious in the eyes of God that the blood of Christ was spilled on Calvary's hill for them.
not just me, for them. So as the Holy Spirit moves on your heart, some of you already got it already all filled out. Don't, and when we come to pray, well, I only got three. Come pray for the three. The Lord will give you the other two. As, and so what I expect is we're looking through this. If you're looking down, I know that you're not just Facebooking and Instagramming. I know that you're writing down on these, these names of these people. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. It's a wise thing. Who wants to be wise? That was three of us. Who wants to be wise? I want to be wise in God's eyes. How about you? Proverbs 11, verse 30. This is the first scripture you see on the front of your card under pray, invite, bring. This is the first verse. Proverbs 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. The Hebraic word there that is translated wins literally means take. Like a military expedition. Conquer. Go out and forcefully advance. Go out. It's almost, it's, it is the same language and intensity as when Jesus was talking about John the Baptist, and he was talking about since the beginning of John the Baptist's gospel is being preached, and he's talking about how the kingdom of heaven has suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Winning people to Jesus is a forceful thing. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, you have to knock someone in the head with a baseball bat, and when they wake up, they're in church tied to the pew, and you say, you're going to get saved or you ain't leaving. You know, that, we're not talking about that kind of force. We're talking about a spiritual force. We're talking about going to war for the souls of people. Because let me just be real honest with you. What our city, what our state, nation, what our families need is the gospel message of a saving king and Lord, Jesus. We will forget the idea we're not going to vote out immorality. Ain't going to happen. Anyone saw the, the billboard right there at the pallet um, production place on 385, God Loves Trans Kids? Rejoice, God Loves Trans Kids. Anyone see that? I mean, Lauren, I saw it in person, but it was shared on Facebook. Right? Done by AFFA. So there's AFFA that our mayor was on the board of for several years. How do I know that? Public knowledge on SouthCarolinaEquality.org, which is an organization that fights for the equal rights of homosexuals and gay and trans people. He's still on there. Call his number. He's got another, what, four years to serve? You're not going to vote out sin in a nation. You're not going to pass out water bottles until you just make enough people smile and they all get saved. It is by the foolishness of the preaching of the gospel that men and women are called out of darkness into everlasting light. It is by giving of yourself whatever you need to do. If it means you wake up early so you get less sleep so that you can pray for others, it's worth it. Because in all of eternity, you won't be thinking about, man, I'm glad I got eight hours of shut-eye every day. If it means I got six, but I saw hundreds of people saved because I was pleading the blood of Christ over them in a prayer closet, and they don't even know about it, but I got to see them come to Jesus, it's worth it. 
I can stack up $100 bills all day long. Thank God for prosperity. I can stack up money all day long. But you can take the riches of the world if it means I can have the souls of my city and my county and my nation turn to Christ. You don't have to make the choice. But if I'm confronted with it, give me people. Give me the lost. Because he who is wise takes, takes souls for Jesus. And that's the first verse. I'm a, I'm a tree of righteousness. I'm a tree of life. Psalms 92 says those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they are like great, big, green bay palm trees. And I'm a, I'm, I'm a tree of righteousness. And the fruit of a tree is not for the tree. Amen? You ever seen an apple tree eating its own apple? That'd be strange. I'd stay away from that apple tree. I would not be near that one with my basket filling up apples. Because if he can eat his own apples, he may punch me in the face knowing I'm about to get his apples. The apples are for the people that pass by. The fruit of the believer is for the people that pass by. Your fruit that you produce by the power of the Holy Spirit is for others. The sap in the tree gives life to the tree. The Holy Ghost, our comforter, he is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Your fruit ain't for you. It's for others. Notice this. I'm, let me read this to you. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I've made myself a servant to all that I may, might win the more. To the Jews I became a Jew that I might win Jews. To those under the law as under the law that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might be all me- by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker, partaker of it with you. See, the Apostle Paul got a hold of the heart of God and he said, you know what? I will become to people what they need me to become so that I might win some of them to Jesus. If that means I need to talk your lingo, I can talk your lingo. If that means I need to come down where you're at and walk on this type of not immorality, not sin, not, not you know, any type of transgression of the word, but if I just need to get with people where they're at, I'll sit and I'll get with them and I'll, I'll talk their talk, I'll walk their walk, if I can win them to Jesus. Jesus said that you and I, we want to be like him. He said that you have to be as harmless as a dove, but as cunning and crafty as a serpent. I mean, let's think about it. If Al Capone, that just took a turn, didn't it? Sunday morning, we're talking about Al Capone. If Al Capone, the gangster in Chicago, who made all his money off of selling illegal alcohol near Prohibition, if he could outrun the FBI for years upon years with his brain infested with syphilis, and they finally called him by way of tax evasion, Why can't I outthink the devil with the mind of Christ? If I've got the wisdom of God, why can't I outthink every scheme and trickery of Satan? Why can't the Holy Spirit give me the right thought at the right time for the right person at the right word that it just, mm, it pricks their heart? And they think, like they said to Peter, what must I do to be saved? It was the strangest thing I've ever experienced in my life I don't know if I shared it here as I was doing a podcast episode. I can't remember. It's kind of blending together. But it, years ago at the exchange building, I'm in the restroom doing what you do in the restroom. And there's a man beside me. 
And he just starts talking. And he's talking about, I want to love my wife. I, he said, I can't love my wife anymore. And how am I supposed to love God if I, if I can't? Or he said, I cannot love anyone more than my wife. How am I supposed to love God if I'm supposed to love him more than my wife? That's what he said. And I'm thinking, you do know this is the restroom, don't you? I didn't know this was therapy. But I will be all things to all men. And I just said I didn't think about it. And I'm, you know, 20, so I knew everything at 20. 33, I don't know as much. But any 20, any, when you were 20, did you know everything when you were 20? I did. Yeah, and then I found out I didn't. And so I didn't think about it, and I just said, you can't love your wife the way you want to love your wife until you love Jesus. And he met Jesus in a bathroom, in a public restroom. We can sanctify and make holy a public restroom. Praise God. Some of them I've been into really need to be sanctified with some Lysol and some Clorox. Glory to God. People, people are looking for a Savior. The problem is oftentimes they find what they think is salvation, and it's just an angel of light. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Satan appears as an angel of light, and so does his ministers also come as angels of light. They're looking for solutions, but what they think is a solution ain't really a solution. It's a trap. The only solution is Jesus. The only answer is Christ. And those that win souls, they will become. You that are winning souls, you are a soul winner, which means you become all things to all people so that you might win some. Now, if you will, flip on the back of your card. Look at Romans chapter 10. On the back of your card, you, can, you don't even have to use your, uh, your Bible there. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Okay, so that's step one. In order for someone to call on Jesus, they have to believe. Second question, how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Okay, in order to receive salvation, I have to call on the name of Jesus. But I can't call, I can't pray, I can't ask God for forgiveness and declare him Lord unless I believe. I can't believe unless I hear. Okay, next question, how shall they hear without a preacher? All that means is a proclaimer, someone, a heralder, like in old English days, here comes the king, and then here comes the king. That guy, that's who we are in the kingdom. That's the third question. So they, in order to call, they have to believe. In order to believe, they have to hear. How are they going to hear unless someone speaks to them? How shall they preach unless they're sent? Okay, well, in order for someone to speak to someone so that they can hear, so that they then can believe and then confess with their mouth, someone has to be sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. You are a preacher. You are a proclaimer. You are a soul winner. You are a witnesser. This church is a church of soul winning. This church is a church that witnesses Jesus. This church is a church that preaches the full gospel. This church is a church that believes in the power of salvation that takes a chief of sinners and makes them into a saint of God. That's what this church does. And you are people who win people to Jesus. And how do you do that? Just tell someone. Tell someone about the goodness of God in your life. In fact, flip over onto the front of your card. I made it real easy for you to see the scriptures today. Second one on the front. Mark 15, or excuse me, Mark 5, beginning there, it says, However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, 
Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has compassion on you. Mark chapter 5, those first 20 verses of Mark chapter 5 are one of my absolute favorite encounters that someone has with Jesus. It's a demoniac man that lives amongst the graveyards. They run around howling, screaming. They try to chain him down, tie him down. I don't know why I identify with him so well. This guy just run around graveyards screaming his head off all the time. I don't identify with him. But I, I love this story. He's a demoniac. And when the moment Jesus' foot touches the sand on the seashore at Gennesaret, that demonic entity, which is legion, thousands of them, in this man, run to Jesus, fall on his knees and say, Lord, what you doing here and what business you got to do with me? Please don't hurt me. Every demonic entity and satanic power that is controlling the people that are on this list that you've wrote down, the names that you've put down, whatever reason they have not believed on Jesus, those demons bow when Jesus shows up. Let me tell you something else. You can go places Jesus can't. Jesus can go anywhere. Not here he couldn't. He told this demoniac, because remember... This is the first creation, the corny joke, here it comes, Laura. First creation of deviled ham. Those demons come out of that demoniac man, jump into those pigs that are off by the side, and the pigs think, we ain't crazy. Some humans live demon-possessed, but we ain't. We out of here. And they go jump in the ocean, and they die. All right? The people of the, that are hurting those pigs, they don't think, my God, this man's got some power. You know, he could heal my sick aunt. They don't think anything like that. They think, oh, no, we couldn't control the demoniac, man. We chained him up. We tied him up. We used everything. We couldn't stop him. And now there's a guy who's greater than him. Let's get out of here. And then they tell Jesus, don't, we don't want you here. Leave. So Jesus leaves. And that's when he tells this demoniac man in Mark chapter 5, 19 and 20, he said, go home to your friends. They won't let me come. You know, there's some places that they don't want Jesus there. But then you show up. There's some places that they don't want the Word of God. They won't display it on the walls. There's a court action, uh, some little rinky-dink uh, uh, thing that talks about a, some rinky-dink organization um, was uh, contacted by a citizen in Lawrence County because they went to the courthouse and they saw a display of the Ten Commandments. And, you know, Satan is a spirit of division. So they sent out this rinky-dink organization. This organization says, you better take down those Ten Commandments, blah, 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 and all that junk. There are places where they don't want the Word of God on the walls. Take it down. We don't want no Ten Commandments. What do you mean having in, the, in, the, in a courthouse, thou shalt not murder? My God, you want to have that in a courthouse? Sounds like common sense to me. Thou shalt not steal. What are you here for? That guy stole my car, and I want to prosecute him. It says don't steal. Yeah, but I don't want that. I want to look at it. Because the word's convicting their sins. <laughs> There's some places Jesus can't go, but you show up, and you can tell them about Jesus. Jesus may not be able... They may not invite pastor to come to your workplace and have Bible study once a week, but you're there, and you do have a break time. And there's some people sitting in the break room. Ooh. Hmm. wonder if I could sanctify that for soul winning to people. I bet you could do it. I, because winning people to Christ is this easy. It's loving other people enough to tell them about what God's done in your life. This is what he says. Go home to your friends. You don't have to go get an airplane ticket and go to mainland China. 
Go home, unless you live in mainland China. If you do, I don't think any of you do. If you do, you've got a really long commute. Appreciate you being here. Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done. It's not just enough to sing about the great things God's done in a worship service like we did this morning. Thank God we did. We also need to tell the world about the great things that God has done. Well, and there's so many opportunities to do this. People, anytime, you know, especially in the South, you don't go anywhere without everybody saying hello or some, you know, something like that. How you doing? This or that. You know, how's it going? Well, you know, it's... (laughs) It's going all right, but you've seen the world out there lately today? You know, they'll say something like that. I have, I sure have, but you know what? My Lord and Savior says, do not fear this world because he's overcome it. Do you know Jesus? It's that simple. Well, you know, I kind of, I guess I believe in a God. No, 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 no. Do you know Jesus? And then you just pin, have you made Jesus Lord of your life? Someone might think I'm strange. You're already strange. Own up to it. I didn't say it. Lord said, you're a peculiar people. He looked at you and said, you're peculiar. Go tell someone about what Jesus has done in your life. Here's what's beautiful about it. You keep on reading in Mark chapter 7, Jesus comes back. When Jesus comes back, the entire city of Decapolis is waiting on him. Because one man thought about others and said, what God has done in my life is too glorious just to be a testimony on Sunday morning amongst people that already believe in God. I'm going to have to tell somebody else. And he started talking and talking and talking and telling and telling and loving and looking out for others to where when Jesus comes back, they're all thinking, here he is, and they all come out. They bring the sick, the paralyzed, the lame. They bring everybody out to see Jesus Not because Jesus preached and taught in their cities. Because a man, because a person that encountered Jesus loved others. And that's you, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now look, what I want you to do is this. Look at that last verse there. The Lord is not slack. 2 Peter 3 verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise as some count slackness. In other words, plainly speaking, the Lord ain't lazy. How many is thankful the Lord ain't lazy? If God said He's going to do it, He'll do it. But there are some people, if you just back up a few verses in this chapter, it deals with mockers and scoffers. There's some people that say, you guys been saying Jesus is going to come back for 2,000 years, He still ain't here. That's a scoffer. That's a scoffer. You, you always talking about God, but I ain't saying it. That's a scoffer. And the Lord, and, and by the way of the Apostle Peter, by the Holy Spirit, the Lord's saying, look, I'm not just sitting around thinking, oh, yeah, I forgot I said I was going to come back. Man, how long has that been? Oh, 2,000 years. Some, Gabriel, get my keys. I forgot all about coming back and getting everybody. No, it's not that he's, he's just sitting around and forgetful or lazy. He's long-suffering towards us. Long-suffering is a type of patience, but it's a particular type of, type of patience. You know, you can be patient with a process. You can be patient with yourself. You can be patient with some, you know, maybe you're loading something on your cell phone or on a computer or you're working with a piece of machinery and it's working and chugging along and you're being patient. Long-suffering is being patient with people. It's a special kind of patience. The Lord is patient towards who? You and me. The Lord's patient toward others. Why? Why is He patient toward others? He doesn't desire. He's not willing. He has no desire for anyone to perish. 
Rather, he wants everyone to come to repentance. If you believe that God would love to see every single person on the planet saved, raise your hand. And he needs you to tell them. He needs you to tell them. Now, what are we going to do? As you, you've got these names of real people on this page. Maybe you got one, two, five. Maybe you said, five, AJ, I need a 27. That's fine. Add some more. This is just to prompt you to action because faith without works is dead. You mean to tell me this is faith? Yes. It's going to take some faith to write down a real person's name on this piece of paper and not just right now, but continue to pray over it. Lord, give me an opportunity to tell this person about Jesus. Lord, give me an opportunity. If it's something as simple as, hey, come to Easter with me. Lord, give me that opportunity. Hey, come to church with me. Hey, come to Bible study with me. If it's, just, if it's just something that small, Lord, give it to me, God. Give me an open door of opportunity. First six, First Corinthians 16, verse 8. Give me an open door of opportunity. Turn their hearts so that they might have ears to hear and eyes to see. It takes faith to do that. It takes faith to write down names and put this in your car so that every day when you go to work, you see those people. And instead, nothing wrong with praying for yourself. I pray for myself. But instead of spending your entire prayer time praying for me, myself, and I, you pray, eh, you know what, I'm going to set me, myself, and I over to the side. I'm going to pray for others. Others. Give me others. Let me see people saved. Lord, these are the people that you put in my life. I've got a connection. I've got an influence. Somehow or another, I've got a way that I can speak into their life. Lord, give them to me, Lord. I'm thankful for all that you do in my life, but I'm, I'm reaching out for more than just for myself. I'm believing that your power, your goodness, your blessing is more than just for me. It's for, the, it's for the others. It's for the other people. Just like someone loved me enough to tell me about Jesus, that's what I want to be. I want to tell someone else about Jesus. Because the Lord has no desire. The Lord doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He has no desire. Hell wasn't even made for people. It was made for Satan. But when you follow the path of Satan, you get the reward of Satan, which is hell. It, hell has no room for people, but room has been made for people. Because when people follow the path of Satan, they too receive the reward, or rather the judgment, of disobedience. The Lord has no desire. He wants no one, no one to go to hell. All right, I want you to come to the altar with me. Bring your card in hand. These people on there, we're going to do something very serious. We're going to pray for other people. This is a serious, serious, serious thing. Begin to plead and intercede. Look, maybe there's some people on there. I know we're all in different situations and different situations. Maybe some of these people are your children. But maybe there's a child on here that's your, your child, your blood child. But then there's a few other people that they're not related to you. I'm going to encourage you to plead the blood of Christ over these other people as if they were, they, they were your own children, as if they were your own family. You begin to pray and just begin to ask God, I'm going to pray, but you don't, want, you don't need to listen to me and pray. I want you to pray. I want you to pray to God. Lord, we come before you, Lord. There are people that you have put in our lives, God, and we cannot just casually see them march themselves into hell. Lord, we know salvation is a personal decision, but our desire is that we have such great access to influence that decision that it would be a decision for life. Lord, you have said in 1 Timothy 2 to pray for all people. 
so that many might be saved, that they might come to a saving knowledge of the mediator of Christ Jesus. Lord, this is your will. You want others saved. There's other people you want in your church. You said, Lord, by way of Jesus, you said that the master wants his house full. You have prepared in the mind and the heart and the calling of our pastor a big church, a lot of room. And we have no desire just to have extra room. We want this place to be full of people, Lord. We want to come in and have, and we have to stand. And the others are saved and seated and listening and hearing the word of God. Lord, give us our city. Give us our county, God. You who are faithful, you have been faithful time and time again in our lives, Lord. You've brought healing to our bodies. Lord, bring healing to others. You've brought salvation to us, Lord. Bring salvation to others. You've met our needs, Lord. Meet the needs of others, Lord. You've given us spouses. Give others spouses, Lord God. You've given me children, Lord. Give others children, Lord God. You that is faithful and just, you have called us and you will bring to pass what you've promised, Lord. Give us others, Lord. You have declared that the latter shall be greater than the former, Lord. Is that true at this moment in time? It is not. So we demand and make a demand of faith, God. Let our latter as a church be greater than our former. In Jesus' name, by faith, Lord, give us a militant spirit, God, a violent spirit of faith, God, to take our city, Lord God. We will not submit to natural means. It's not business work. It's not politicians' work. It's not influencer work. It's not social programs. It's the gospel. Lord, you've given us the gospel. We believe the gospel, Lord, and others have to hear it, Lord. Lord, let our hearts break for others, God. Lord, let tears fall for others, God. Lord, we can't see them go to hell. Lord, we've got to see them be saved, Lord. We've got family, Lord. We've got people that you really, really love. As much as you love us, God. Lord, we have to have it. It is our inheritance, God. Oh, there's so many things you've done in our lives, Lord. But this is the greatest. Help us be saviors unto men. As you said in Obadiah by the prophet, you said you, you will raise up people to be saviors of men. Not that we take the place of Jesus, but when we throw out a life raft, we're helping save people. Give us others, God. Give us others. Let our hearts break for others. Let us have, give us your compassion, Lord, that when it looked out on the world, it said, I have to save them. Give us compassion, Lord, that says, there's some more work I can do. Can I do just a little bit more? Is there another thing I can say? Is there another text message I can text? Is there another call I can make? Is there another invitation to come to church I can invite? Is there just one more person? Is there just one more thing I can say, Lord? Give us just another idea inspired by the Holy Ghost. Because we really, really, really desire your will in this earth, Lord. And that's that people be saved. 
We don't want the blood of Jesus to be counted vanity. We want the most people possible to be saved because the greatest price has ever been paid. What a great cost that was paid. We don't want it to be belittled by only a few being saved. Give us others, Lord. Look on us, Lord. I don't know. I make no judgment of anyone else, Father. But I say this, Lord. Look on all over the earth, God. Look on the ones that are crying out in your house for others. Look on the earth, Lord God. Look at other churches. How many are crying out for others? I don't know how many other are, but we are, Father. Turn your gaze toward us. Give us others. Possession, possession of the land, Lord. In Jesus' name. Pray this prayer with me. Pray this prayer boldly with me. Say, Father, I believe in the gospel. It is the power that saves people. The power that saved me. I believe in the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm a teller of the gospel. I'm a preacher by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the seed of the Word of God. Give me these people because I love others like Jesus loves others. I love others because I love you. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, lift up a hand clap to God. How we bless your name, Lord. How we praise your name. Be a bringer. You know, again, I kind of mentioned this in my, all my heart last, uh, yesterday in Shepherd's Conference. For those that were there, you know this. There's a lot of things we can naturally do. And I know a lot of those natural things. You can dress things up real nice, make them look real pretty. You can have good marketing. You can do all that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you only do the natural, you'll only get natural results. But if you'll do the supernatural, you do it God's way, you'll see eternal change. Be someone that loves others. You look in the book of John, Andrew, the disciple in the book of John, you only read about him three times. Three times, that's it. One of the 12. How many would have like been one of the 12? I mean, one of the original 12. He was one of the original 12. In John, you only hear of him three times. The first time, he heard about Jesus and he brought his brother to Jesus, the set, who's Peter. Think about that. Maybe we don't, we don't hear a whole lot about Andrew, but we hear about Peter all the time. Loudmouth Peter. That was prior baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We hear about Peter all the time. Peter came to Jesus because of Andrew. Second time you read about Andrew, he's bringing the young boy who had five loaves of bread and two fishes. Third time you read about Andrew, some people come up to him and say, we want to see Jesus. Bring us to Jesus. He takes them to Jesus. Every time in the book, in the Gospel of John, that you see the disciple Andrew, he's bringing someone to Jesus. And you know what? Maybe we don't talk about Andrew a whole lot, but Andrew was a bringer. And whether we talk about him a whole lot, there's people in heaven because Andrew showed them how to get to Jesus. I believe that you're an Andrew. I believe that you're a bringer. 
I believe there's an anointing of the Holy Ghost on you to bring people to Jesus. If you receive that, say amen with a hand lifted to heaven. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, strengthen us, empower us by the Holy Ghost. We thank you for divine appointments and opportunities to bring people to Christ, Lord. And if it's as simple as that first introductory step of bringing them to church, we'll take it, Lord. Whatever means, we'll take it. Whatever opportunity, we'll use it. We thank you that you're giving us opportunities to love and see others saved. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I love you. Amen. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.